Good morning. It's always good to be asked back because I know it's just a matter of time before I say something to be banned forever. I was, uh, I, I noticed there's been an increase in security. These are the guys that don't look very Christian up here. And of course, I kind of wonder why are they increasing security? Do they expect the message to suck that badly that I'm going to need more protection or whatever it might be? But I feel protected from you. <laughs> Pastor Jamie asked me if I would address the church on this whole issue of uh, service, serving our neighbor, manifesting God's love by actually each and every one of us being involved in personal service. Let me ask you this question. When you engage with unbelievers or you just listen to the criticism of non-Christians toward Christians, do you not get weary of hearing about all the horrible atrocities done in the name of religion, specifically Christianity? I mean, we've got the Crusades, and we've got the Inquisition, and we've got the embarrassment of religious wars all done in the name of Christ. Of course, I, I, I remind them of Hitler and the Holocaust, or... Stalin and the 50 million people slaughtered in the gulag, or the horrors in the Sudan by pagan warlords. And he explained that these men committed atrocities consistent with the ideology they believed in. But when a Christian, when a Christian is cruel, they are acting in violation of everything they believe. They are acting in violation of of everything they believe. When Christians act in according to the teaching of their Lord Jesus Christ, then look at history. They're the ones that build schools, universities, orphanages, hospitals. They help and feed the poor. They're the ones that will visit people who are innocent in prison. They speak out for justice. They're all about compassion. They serve humanity. You see, Jesus is known in this world by by not what he does, but by what we do. And what is it that we do? We serve others. We don't always do a great job at that. Sometimes we're known for our things other than reflecting Christ. I was given this article as USA Today, Thursday, July 29th of this year. Horse trainer charged with race rigging. A Pennsylvania horse trainer was charged Wednesday with trying to rig races at Penn National Racecourse by injecting horses with performance-enhancing drugs. State police charged Daryl Delahousie, <laughs> 47, of Harrisburg, with rigging a publicly exhibited contest, administering drugs to racehorses, tampering with evidence, and theft. You know, sometimes you would like your name known for something a little better than that. And sometimes we bear the name, we have to somewhat live down what our name is known for, especially when our name we bear is Christian. Is Christian. There's enough people out there claiming to be Christian, doing self-centered atrocities, 
and basically serving themselves another not serving Christ and sometimes we Christ followers have to live down the name that they have so tainted because it's the same name we bear the name Christian many Christians think we're all about getting offended at sin is that what we people of God are all about we're to be the conscience of the world and get upset at people who sin other Christians think we're all about getting really, really angry at people who are different than ourselves. Is that really what we're all about? Getting angry at people that, are, that live differently than we do? What are the people of God supposed to be known for? Well, according to the scriptures, we're supposed to be known for service because we are part of a priesthood. That's right, you heard me right. We are part of a priesthood. In the year 1507, Martin Luther was ordained to the priesthood. He became a priest of the church. But when Martin Luther read this passage in 1 Peter 1, his whole world changed because he realized he wasn't alone. This is the passage in 1 Peter, and if you haven't already, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. This is the very passage Martin Luther read that gave the whole impetus and understanding to the Reformation movement. Verse 4, 1 Peter 2. Peter writes, and Martin read, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice, precious in the sight of God, you, you also, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For, for you once were, were not a people. There's really no definition to you. But now you are, well, you're the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, beloved, I urge you as aliens, as strangers, to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. So now keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, you horrible Christians in the name of Christ, people have died. As they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Fascinating. You're part of a priesthood, a holy priesthood, offering up sacrifices that communicate the virtues and the excellency of God to the Gentiles so that in some mysterious way they actually glorify God. How does this thing work? Well, let's begin with answering the question, well, why service? Peter answers it right here, using this metaphor that of the temple. The prophets called the temple Mount Zion, the dwelling place of God. We are stones, living stones of that temple 
the living place of God because when God lives on this earth, he lives in us through his spirit. So we are the very living stones to make up this temple that houses God's presence on this earth. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, don't you know that your body is a temple of God for the Holy Spirit resides, dwells within you? Where are those living stones? We are the priesthood of the believer. And Peter says we're a holy priesthood. Word holy means set apart with a holy purpose, a particular purpose. Now it's interesting, the, 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 in the Old Testament, the priest, and that's where we got to start if we're going to figure this thing out. If I'm a priest, what am I supposed to be doing as a priest with a holy purpose? Well, I go to the Hebrew canon and I find out that the priest there all came out of the tribe of Levi and they had the responsibility of really only doing two things. Just they were very busy, but they only had to do two things. And the first was they were to be bringing God to the people and they were to be bringing the people to God. You see, the priest represented God to the people, and it was the priest that represented the people to their God. That's why the word priest in Latin was translated pontifex, and the word pontifex means bridge builder. So the priest was the bridge builder between people and God, God and the people, and communication. Understanding happened over the priest. The bridge. Well, Martin Luther, when he realized after reading this passage, he was not alone as a priest. But all genuine believers are part of this priesthood, this holy priesthood. Well, this became the foundation for the whole Reformation movement. Because, you see, as priests, we offer up sacrifices. That's what a priest does. They represent the people, and they bring sacrifices to bring the people to God. They offer sacrifices so that God is free to be able to have a relationship with the people. And so we offer up sacrifices. You say, but we don't sacrifice anymore. Well, then what does Peter mean in verse 5? Look at it again. Chapter 2 here in 1 Peter, verse 5. Peter says... You also, as living stones, you're being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. To do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Apparently, we're still in the business of priests offering sacrifices. Say, so wait, wait, are you sure, Daryl? I haven't heard this. Well, that's why I'm preaching on it. Because this is something that we need to know if we understand we're part of this priesthood. Now, the priests in the Old Testament, they offered all kinds of offerings of sacrifice. For example, they had the sin offerings. They had the guilt offerings. They had the dedication offerings, the burnt offerings. They had the meal offerings, the fellowship offerings, the libation offerings, the wave offerings, the free will offerings. I thought it was just the, the sin offerings. Well, all these offerings can again be, be, be summarized in two categories. They all, very busy, but they were doing either one of two different things. Either one, they had to do with the pardon of sin. Providing so that God could give pardon for sin, cover sin, forgiveness for sin. So some of these sacrifices was to pardon for sin. Well, not all of them. 
Matter of fact, most of these had to do with the second category of expressing thanksgiving for God's favor. Expressing thanksgiving, giving a sacrifice, a meal offering, wave offering, dedication offering, fellowship offering. All of these offerings by the Jewish priest had all one purpose, to express thanksgiving to God for his favor. No, no. Well, then what offering of sacrifice do we do today? Well, apparently the first category has already been done by our high priest. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says, And Jesus Christ, our high priest, he once and for all has sanctified us, separated us by bringing forgiveness of the Heavenly Father by dying on the cross in our place, that we've been sanctified once and for all, for all time. So we don't have to sacrifice animals or sacrifice anything for the purpose of receiving the pardon of sin for we have been forgiven. We're children, sons and daughters of a heavenly father adopted into the family. But what about this other category of offerings and sacrifices? Did they just disappear? Then all of a sudden the people, the priest who would be the ones to represent the people to acknowledge thanksgiving for God's favor, that all of a sudden, soon we became Christians, that stopped? That's why Peter says, there's a little vacuum going on here. At least the Old Testament priests, they did it. Because they understood they were priests. But we, in our ignorance, we, we don't even give it a second thought that we are part of a priesthood. Therefore, we have the responsibility, not of offerings for the pardon of sin, but for offerings to express thanksgiving for God's favor. Now, is there really any instruction in Scripture that confirms this is what we really are all about as a priesthood of believers? <laughs> Wet your index finger, stick your tongue, now go to Romans chapter 12 and follow me. Romans chapter 12. Here after the Apostle Paul talks about all that God has done to provide for our pardon, all the sacrifice provided by our high priest for our forgiveness and the gift of the Spirit of God, but now what about the rest of the offerings? Look at the first two verses of Romans 12. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies once and for all, make up your mind, present your bodies as a living and holy what? Sacrifice. Aren't you glad it says living? <laughs> Notice he says, as a living and holy sacrifice according to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And you want to know what the next paragraph's all about? Spiritual gifts and how to serve. It's all about your one member of many members of the body of Christ. And God has actually given you some the ability to teach, some the ability to serve, some to rule, some to show compassion, some to give. And in the context of all this service, he says it all issues from offering up a sacrifice acceptable to God as part of our worship as a priest. It's service. Again, I, I can see the eyes of some of you still aren't. Okay, go to Philippians chapter 4. Here in verse 8, the book of Philippians is a thank you letter from Paul who was in prison. And when you're in prison those days, nobody took care of you unless it came from the outside. 
Nobody's really caring for Paul towards the end of his ministry. Kind of a little depressed, a little bummed out. But there's a church in Philippi, somewhat 400 miles away. They, they, they sent on foot their pastor, Epaphrodites, to bring a gift and to care and to serve Paul while he's in prison. Prison ministry. And listen to how Paul responds to this in verse 18 of Philippians 4. Paul says, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable what? Sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Well, your service to me, you priest in Philippi, you offered up a sacrifice and it was a sweet aroma enjoyed by God because you had offered up a sacrifice of service to me. Okay, I got two-thirds of you. Now I'm going for the last third. The skeptics. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Here's Hebrews, a very Jewish book. So how do you know it's a very Jewish book? The title is Hebrews. <laughs> and they understand about the priesthood. They understand about the temple. And listen how he comes to the end of chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. The writer says, Through him, Christ then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips that gives thanks to his name. That's right. That was, those were all the other sacrifices to express thanksgiving to his name for his favor. They, they, these are supposed to continually keep on going on by the priesthood. See, well, that means we just have to say thanks, sing songs of praise. You know, when in doubt, read on. Verse 16, so stop neglecting doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. What are the sacrifices from this priesthood that pleases our Father? Anytime I do anything to express thanksgiving, by serving and sharing with others. So what is this service? You know, most people I talk to, Christians, they all say they want to serve God. But from my observation in 40 plus years of ministry, it seems to be more in an advisory position. In America, we are told that we are one nation under God. We are one nation under God. Now this may get me banned. But may I respectfully give a correction to that? Are we one nation under God? Or are we one nation that contains a nation under God? A nation of holy priests, bridge builders, proclaiming the excellencies of God himself to this nation. You see, we talk about glorifying God. What, what is that? Everybody I talked, yeah, I want to glorify God. First, First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Don't you know you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are His. First Corinthians 10, whether you eat, whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. So we all want to do it to the glory of God. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 16, You do know you're, you're light to this world. So as your light to this world, let the world see your good deeds so that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Interestingly, good deeds. The word good 
is not the word agathos, which means, well, the good, excellent, you know, deeds that were really of high quality. No, it's not the word. It's the word kalas. Kalas means those which are beautiful, attractive, that draw the attention of Gentiles. And he says, as you have these works, these kalas works, that draw the attention of the world, they will glorify God as well. Well, then what is this glorifying God? You remember when Moses, as I've shared with you on numerous occasions, in Exodus 33, Moses goes up Mount Sinai because he knows they're in deep mud and he just busted all ten commandments. I mean, he literally did. You remember? He threw them down. Because there was a big golden idol party going on and he's ticked. Well, now he's going, oh, oops, God, are you going to make us a scab in the desert? He's got to know what God's going to do. Exodus 33, he goes, he says, God, God, what are you going to do? Tell me, God, show me your glory. Now, what, what is Moses asking God when he says, God, show me your glory? See, in the next chapter, chapter 34, God says, I will declare my name. The Lord will declare his name because to declare his name is his glory. His name is his glory. Your glory is simply this. What is it about you you want known? It's your name, your reputation, that you're a, you drug horses and you, you're a thief and you rig races. That's what I want known with my name. Well, the point is, is that what, God is, what Moses is asking God is, God, what is it about you you want known? Now, I'm created in the image of God, and there's some behavior, Peter says, some excellent behavior among the Gentiles. So Jesus said, some good works I can do in my behavior that somehow draws people to want to know what God is like. So what is it that God wants known? Again, in Exodus 34, he actually will give us a list. God says, I will declare my name, and here's my glory. Here's what I want known about myself. I want people to know my compassion. I want people to know my grace. I want them to know I'm slow to anger, that I'm about truth, and I want them to understand my loving kindness. He repeats it twice. I want them to understand my loving kindness. Remember the word hesed? It's a word meaning about being concerned about the well-being of another. God says, I want this world to know that I am a God of love. I value what I create no matter how it turns out. And I care about the well-being of what I create. Moses, that's what I want known about myself. That's my glory. And so apparently, I can, this body in the image of God, there's some behavior I can engage in that will actually manifest his compassion and grace and truth and slow to get angry and loving kindness. But it has to be in relationship. You can't lock yourself in a closet and manifest compassion. I'm a little compassion on myself. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to be gracious to myself. I'm going to be slow to get angry at myself. This is therapy. You know, that, that, no, that's not what he's talking about here. You can only see these attributes of God, these excellence, as Paul, Peter calls it, these virtues, as Paul calls them, in relationship. Well, what kind of relationship? When we're fighting, when we're grabbing from each other, when we're divided from each other, it is only when we are serving. These beauties of God, these attributes of God, can only be seen when I I'm serving another. Only then will you see compassion. 
Only then will you see grace, slow to anger, truth, and a double dosage of hesed, loving kindness. This is why we serve. Because this makes the name of God known. And when people see what the Creator is really like through those priests who offer up sacrifices of service. And in that service, those sacrifices, people see the beauty of the Creator. They too will be drawn, as Jesus said, they'll glorify and want to manifest and have a relationship with their Creator. We are priests, bridge builders, bringing people to God by bringing God to people. And we do this by selfless service. Well, then what comes from the service? Huh. Last book of the Bible, Revelations 1. Look at verse 6. And in the very introduction of the book, he says, And he, Christ, made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The book begins, You have been made priest. In chapter 5, verse 10, Jesus says, that he made us a kingdom of priests and royal priests that actually are going to reign with Christ. Matter of fact, in Revelation, he says in chapter 20, verse 6, he says, Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Now, I know why we became Christians. We didn't want to go to hell. I mean, come on, own up. So we're glad to be part of the first resurrection. I mean, the second resurrection. But also, notice what was God's intention. Over these, the second death has no power. Why? But they will be priests of our God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Huh. Where's this priesthood going? What's our destiny as, as, as brethren and part of this priesthood that offer up these sacrifices that make God known by serving others? Thus the glory of God is seen by the world. Where is this headed? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When Paul says, you build upon this foundation of Christ. And not with wood, hay, straw, but silver, gold, precious stones. Then Paul says, you shall receive a reward. You get no reward for wood, hay, straw. What's that? <laughs> That's when I serve myself. And it's, we all do it. And so if you're going to serve yourself, do a good job, because that's all you're getting. God doesn't double dip. He's not going to reward you for serving yourself. So go for the gusto. <laughs> On the other hand, gold, silver, precious stones... That's when I'm making him known. That's when I am serving others. And upon this, my priesthood, that's where I'm going to receive my reward. It has everything to do with my priesthood. That's why Paul says later in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know you're going to judge nations? You're going to actually have angels assisting you in doing this? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says we're going to be before the bematos of Christ and we're going to stand there to be evaluated for our priesthood. How we offered sacrifices and serving others and making God known. The book of Revelation ends. It ends 
chapter 22, and Jesus gives this promise in verse 12. Behold, I am coming quickly. When I come, it will be quick. And my reward is with me. To render to every man and woman according to what he, she has done in our priesthood. This is what we're known for. This is who we are. Beloved, we are part of a priesthood of believers. And our sacrifices are near to the heart of God. I used to say, and I used to always end the message with, walk worthy. And three times Paul says, walk worthy of the great call to which you have been called to. What is the call? Priesthood. This week, offer up many sacrifices of service and raise a sweet aroma for the Heavenly Father to enjoy. I used to talk about Scottsdale Bible Church, and it's still all true. So I so appreciate Pastor Jamie, because he builds upon the foundation that was already here. He's not trying to change the foundation. So I've always said, church is not a fortress. It's a force. It's a force into our, our, our community. I mean, sometimes a lot of churches, they become like, like they're Walmart. Everybody comes to consume something. Go take some. Take, take, take. This is not a Walmart. This is more like a U-Haul. You come here to rent stuff, to buy, to get stuff so you can go out and do stuff. We come to prepare and train the saints, give you all the tools you need so you can go out and offer up and be released to do sacrifices throughout the week. Sacrifices to express thanksgiving for God's favor by manifesting who God is, the beauty of Him by relationship behavior that is serving others so that God is seen and it is an aroma that the Heavenly Father is pleased. You see, a priest that doesn't offer any sacrifice is an oxymoron. It's denying who you are, what you are. No, we're not the conscience of the world. So we're not supposed to be known for always being angry at sin. No, 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 we're not the policemen of the world. The, the, the moral code of the world so that we are angry and, and offended at the behavior of others. No, we are a holy priesthood, bridge builders. Bringing God to people so that people can come to God. And we do it by offering up sacrifices. Well, here's your homework. So what do you mean homework? I am a full professor now. I have a doctorate. I am in some worlds called Dr. Daryl Delhousay, Dr. D. So this is your homework. You will have homework. And the homework is this. I want you to take out a piece of paper. I want you to write on that piece of paper your offerings. Your offerings of sacrifices to God. What are you serving? Who are you serving? How often do you make those sacrifices? How often do you want to bring a sweet aroma to our Heavenly Father? Now, some of you are going, 
I feel so guilty. This is a great service. I'll leave feeling so guilty. I know, I was raised Southern Baptist. I know what that feels like. And the rest of you are Catholic, and if we have any Jewish friends, that's the whole goal of the morning. Let's feel guilty. That's not the point. The point is repentance. Let's do the right thing. And so therefore you say, but I can't think of anything on my list. Fine. Then what we're going to do right now is we're going to take an elder's offering. This is an offering not one cent goes to the church. Every cent goes to help people in our community that need some food, can't pay their rent. Some worthy people who are doing the best they can, but, but they need some, 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 some help with their electricity. And every cent of the elders' fund goes to touch the lives of people so that people can see something about the compassion and the graciousness and the love of well-being of God through us as a church. So right now, if you kind of go, hmm, well, then why don't you just write down, I gave to the elders' fund. And it was a sweet sacrifice. And my prayer is then you will add to the list. But let's take that offering so at least you can get a passing grade on your morning exam. <laughs> <laughs>